Good morning. Here we go. That was loud. We'll wake you up a little bit. Hey, like Scott said, we're continuing this series called Love Mercy. And last week we, um, we talked about being compassionate, showing mercy towards the community. First starts with understanding and sitting in and meditating on God's mercy for us. Because if we don't get that piece right, our efforts of being compassionate and merciful towards other people will just be that. It'll be our own effort. It'll be our own effort. And so inside of this series of, uh, of Love Mercy, we're highlighting the different ministries of mercy um, that we have here at Gateway and how God has asked us to be merciful to our community, how he's asked us to be compassionate, how he's asked us to be relational in our community. Because back to the question that was, that sparked some of this a few weeks ago, Sharon, you know, asked if Gateway was no longer in existence with a community notice. With a community notice. God is clear about that your walk with me should affect the people that you are around. It should affect the, the, the community that you live in. And so that's what, that's what we're striving to do. We're striving to be obedient, to be compassionate, to be merciful, because God has first been merciful on us. Okay, so last week we highlighted full life ministry, and this week um, we're going to be highlighting treasured ministry. Okay, and so like, like, like gateway tradition, here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to make a whole lot of noise because we're excited. We're excited because this matters to God. That's why we're excited. It matters to God. Okay, so coming this morning to talk about treasured ministry is Jamie Sadich and Leanne Whitworth. Good morning. Can you hear me? Okay. <laughs> um, we're very honored to be able to speak with you for a few minutes this morning and just bring back to the surface um, what treasured ministry is all about and why we're here. And so this morning when you came in, um, you received a little pack, uh, package of pirate's booty and a chip clip and a card should have been clipped to that. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about what our purpose is and some of the things that are on this card. And Leanne's going to share with you some of the other things that we um, have to help support families in this journey of potentially foster care or adoption or even child sponsorship. Um, and just as kind of a reminder, our whole purpose is to help educate the church as to what this whole thing at foster care is or adoption is, um, or even helping support children in other countries um, through our connections in Peru and Jamaica or around the world. And so um, that's our purpose today, is to just share a message with you. And as I prayed about what would God want to, to hear for you to hear today, um, I could spout lots of statistics, like there's 1,600 kids in the last year that have been in foster care in Jackson County alone. 1,600 kids. But I think what's more impactful is if you've been a foster parent or you know anything about those in the foster care world, we get this email called The Loop, and it's about all the kids still waiting for a home. And just this week alone, um, it just struck me as I got three emails back to back to back of over 50 kids in Jackson County that still don't have a home, that are living in shelters or waiting in an office um, or 
going from one shelter to the next because they're 30 days and that shelter is up and there's still no place for them to go. And it's hard. They're hard kids. There's, a, there's sometimes large sibling groups. There's sibling groups ranging from two kids to six kids. There's hard kids that have heavy medical needs to behavioral needs. There's kids that just didn't ask for anything that's happening to them, but they don't have a place to go. 50 kids just this week waiting for a place that would just say, come on in, we'll walk with you, we'll help you through this journey. Um, And so I really was compelled to share that there is a huge need. And if you've been to either of our town hall meetings, you've heard Megan talk about the need just in Blue Springs, that there's kids couch surfing from house to house that aren't in foster care but just need a place to lay their head. And so when I thought about that and I saw those emails and I thought, we have a ton of people that love people really well. And I just feel like there's a need. And if you're at all feeling like God's calling you, nobody's saying you got to go out and take classes tomorrow. But we are saying if you at all feel that pull, that it just takes a step. I can tell you at 26 that I was sitting in a Stephen Curtis Chapman concert and heard that pull. And it took me four years before I walked the journey. So nobody's saying you have to do it tomorrow. But we definitely want to walk alongside you if you've ever thought about doing something like that. My heart is more on the foster care side, whereas Leanne knows more about the adoption side. Um, Well, I know adoption too, but she knows it like just adoption. (laughs) So we want to share with you. So they're on this card I want to share before I turn it over to her that if you, um, we do have an adoption grant that Leanne's going to talk about. And if you are wanting to support families that way, you can donate to that grant. If you are wanting to support families that do say yes, that are going to take that step out in faith, that we want to offer a lot of what the church can do is wrap around those families by providing meals, by saying, hey, I have some stuff here I can donate. Um, I have extra clothes or I have time. I, might, I can babysit for you so you can have a little bit of a break. So that's what this card is about. Um, so even if you don't fill it out today and turn it into the offering box as you walk out, clip it to your refrigerator with that chip clip and pray about it. Because the very last thing on the back is saying, is just asking you to pray about what God wants you to do. So with that being said, Leanne's going to share a little bit more about some of the other things we have in our ministry. Hello. Um, like Jamie said, our heart is just to help take care of these kids who may be um, in a temporary situation or who don't have families um, when somebody, when a child gets pulled by DFS, maybe, for a situation in their family, it's usually an, an instant thing. It may be a Friday night at 9.30. DFS comes to the door and takes the kids. There's no pre-planning to it. There's not a whole lot of packing. A kid gets taken with maybe what they're wearing in usually a trash bag. They get taken to an office downtown in a holding pattern to wait until a family who is on a respite list um, says, yes, I'll take these kids for a weekend or a week or three weeks until they can find more of a permanent placement situation. So our heart is to help these kids, whether by respite or educating people on the foster situation. Um, We want them to feel safe, number one, and to feel valued and loved by being able to help them be tucked in at night or help them hold their hands while they are sick, um, help them with their homework after school. Um, I've, my husband and I have adopted internationally. Our son is from Guatemala, and our daughter is from Las Vegas. So we've had experience with international and adoption, both sides of that. 
um, Gateway has resources available. If that's something that God has put on your heart, um, don't let that be an obstacle for you. We have money to give. Um, I, one of the really cool things when we brought Eric home was to see the number of people in our church in our midst who had adopted. I felt like most of my friends had either adopted or were adopted or were in the foster situation. It was just a natural community for us. So I'm not asking for this for applause for you all, but I would like just to see in our midst right now, if you have adopted, are adopted, or a foster child, or have fostered, would you stand up just so we can see that it's a natural part of Gateway. It's a natural part of our community. It's a natural part of Blue Springs. We're in an area that... And again... Not that that needs applause. I just like to know that it's part of our church. It's what God commands us to do. It's what he calls us to. Um, Missouri now has what's called the Missouri Heart Gallery. It used to be a traveling kind of set of portraits of kids in foster care um, waiting. And a few years ago, we brought it and we displayed it over here. They now have it online. You can go at home or work and look up pictures and little bios of these kids. It's um, the Missouri Heart Gallery. It's moheartgallery.org. So if you Google any part of that, Missouri Heart Gallery, you can pull it up, and it has all these kids and their situations. Um, So if you ever want to check that out, just to kind of see the number waiting or if that's something that interests you, I encourage you to look that up. Um, We will have events coming up this fall. We're trying to get back on board of once a quarter having a fellowship having an educational event back on the calendar. We want to get our hayride back for September. Um, It's not just for treasured people. It's for friends. It's for families, just to have fun and fellowship. Um, We have that coming up, um, so look for us to be in the bulletin in the loop. Um, We're going to also have some things like maybe collecting supplies, pajamas, underwear, um, backpacks for those kiddos that we can get into the Blue Spring system for kids who have... um, been pulled into the foster system so they don't have something to take with them. So we just want to be here, let you know that Treasured is still a vital part of Gateway Church, and keep watch for us. Thanks. I'm going to ask that... um, Those of you that stood up just a minute ago, would you stand back up, please? If you have been a part of adoption care, foster care, respite care, sponsoring a child. Because I want to say this to you. James chapter 1 verse 27 says this. Religion that is pure. And undefiled before God, the Father, is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction. And to keep oneself unstained from the world. True religion. True religion. Is to have compassion and mercy on the fatherless. And so I just want to say to all of you standing up, thank you. Thank you for being obedient. 
Thank you for inspiring me. Thank you for challenging me. Thank you for loving people well. Because it matters to God's heart. And therefore, it matters to us. So thank you. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. This title of this morning's, you know, what I, what I gave to Lori to put, on the, to put on the bulletin for the title is Washing Off Religion. Because just like James chapter 1 verse 27 said, true religion, true religion is about having mercy and compassion and walking life out with a fatherless, the widow. And so this morning we're going to be talking about washing off religion. Because here's my, let me just, here's my concern for the church today. Here's my concern, is that we've been, we've been caught in this pattern, this cycle of going through the motion, of going through the religious ceremonies, the religious rituals. And, you, and I ask myself, why do we get caught in that holding pattern? Why do we get caught on this, this wheel of going through the motion, and here, here's why. It's because we're self-consumed. We're self-consumed. We're looking to serve ourselves. We're, this is the question that we ask, what does this have for me? What do you have for me? How are you gonna help me? How are the worship songs going to affect me? How am I going to feel about the songs that are going to be played? How am I going to feel about the message? Is it going to be relevant to me? Who's speaking on Sunday? How do I feel about that? How inconvenienced am I going to be this Sunday? Is somebody going to ask me to do something? Is somebody going to ask me to do something? And sometimes that's, that's my concern because we, we, we get to that place because we live in this culture of consumerism where we just, we want to eat, we want to be fed. And so when that is our mindset, we have this hollow, empty religion. This hollow, empty religion. And when I think about God's mercy, there is nothing religious about God's mercy. Because there's nothing religious about the fact that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. What about that is religious? It's personal. It's relational. He sent his son to die on the cross for you because he loves you, because he wants to relate to you, because he wants to spend time with you. He wants to commune with you. 
There's nothing religious about God's mercy. And that's why I say, that's why we started where we started last week. Because if we don't meditate, we don't understand, we don't sit in God's mercy and recognize God's mercy in our life, we will never, we will never get this. If we're going to go be compassionate, if we're going to live out this true religion that God calls us to, we have got to start with understanding God's mercy in our own life. And just like Treasured Ministry shares adoption and foster care, you've got to start with understanding this. You were an orphan, cut off from relationship with God. But because of Jesus Christ, because he took your place, because he was the atonement for you, you can now, as Paul says, you can now call out Abba Father. You can have a relationship with God again. You were once an orphan. There's nothing religious about God's mercy. And we have got to get out of this this mindset, this posture of self-consuming. What do you have for me? You think God was asking that question when he sent his son to the cross? What do you have for me? You think Jesus was asking himself that question as he's enduring the suffering because he knows he's headed to the cross? You think Jesus is asking, what do you guys have for me? Isaiah chapter one, starting in verse two, Isaiah was a prophet and God, you know, prophets would would speak the word of God. God would give them a word and they would speak it to God's people. So in Isaiah here, starting in verse 2, he says this. We're going to read verses 2 through 20. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken gateway. The Lord is speaking through this passage right now. These are his uh, live and active words. This is not a religious ritual here on pages that we just go through. These words are alive and active. He's speaking. Children have reared and brought up. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Why will you be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. In your very presence, foreigners devour your land. It is desolate as overthrown by foreigners. And the daughter of Zion is left like a booth in the vineyard, like a lodge in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. If the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, we should have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Saddam. 
Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude, hear this. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of your well-fed beasts. Do not delight, I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. This is God speaking. They have become a burden to me, he says. I am weary of bearing them. Means I'm tired of carrying your religious rituals that are hollow and empty. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make my prayers, even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Here we go. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Come now, let us reason together. Let's reason Gateway, let's reason together right now. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing to be obedient, let's reason. Our scarlet red, our crimson red will become white as snow. If we are willing to be obedient. You shall eat of the good land, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Let's reason. Which one do you want? Freedom, satisfaction, fullness, redemption through obedience and relationship with Christ? Or condemnation and death through, through, through religious rituals? that God is not moved by. He's not moved by him. He says, I've shut my ears and I, I, I don't even look at you because God is not moved by unauthenticity. He's not moved by that. And, he, and you're not hiding, we're not hiding anything from him. And so I ask myself, I read this passage, I ask myself, because it's this Israel's issue here, verses two through three, is they forgot who the author and perfecter of their life was. They forgot that it was God. They forgot that God had just delivered them out of Egypt. 
and given them, brought them to the promised land, delivered them from slavery, the series we just went through. They had forgotten that God is the author of that. He was the author of that. He's the sustainer for them. He's the provision for them. You know, it's like, I love what God says here because he says the ox knows its owner. After he says they've forgotten who their author is, he says even the ox knows who its owner is. Even the donkey knows who the master is. It's like throwing on salt. You know, I, as I was thinking about this, I was up here Saturday night playing basketball with some guys. You know, it, it, it was it was me. It, uh, there was we were playing five on five. And man, the first game, my team, we I mean, we ran them fifteen to three. It was embarrassing, embarrassing. And I felt good. I, w- I was letting it rain. I felt really good. You know, and Nate Nate Tibbs was guarding me. <laughs> he couldn't hold me. He couldn't hold me. You know, and, and so that's what God is saying. He's like, you've forgotten. I was like, Nate, you've forgotten. You know, but I didn't stop there. I didn't stop there. I told Nate, not only have you forgotten, I got two kids. I got two kids. Still saw. Yeah. <laughs> Still saw. Jordan, he, hey, he was on the other team. He was on the other team, okay? But that's what God is saying. Not only have they forgotten me, but the donkeys know who their master is. The donkeys know who their master is. See, what happens when we forget God's mercy is we start to play Lord on our Lord over our own life. We used to start to decide, uh, I, I'm the author, I'm gonna write this. I'm the perfecter. I can sustain myself. My willpower is enough. This thing is driving me crazy. When we forget God's mercy, that's, that's where we wind up. And so what's the byproduct of forgetting God's mercy? Verse four, ah, sinful nation of people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They're cut off. They're estranged. They're going their own way. They get involved in ungodly things, laden with iniquity. You forget God's mercy, you're going to be on a path to destroy yourself. When you forget who's in charge, when you forget who is Lord, you're on a path for destruction. And then God asks, why will you be struck down? Why do you continue to rebel? And he answers his own question. Your whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. From the sole of your foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in you. You have decided to play Lord on your own life and I've given you over to that and there's nothing sound about you anymore. You're sick from foot to head. Understand that we were all sick. From the bottom of our foot to the top of our head, we were all sick and we needed Christ. We needed, we needed a savior. We needed God's mercy. And then verse 10, here's, here's, here's what God has against them. Hear the word of the Lord. God's saying, hear me, Israel. Children, hear me. 
You rulers of Sadah, give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? What to me is your vain gatherings, right? Because we talked about in Exodus, they come together to sacrifice to the Lord, to worship to the Lord. God says, what to me is those gatherings? If you are gonna continue to play Lord on your own life, you just come to me on Sunday morning and you sit in a chair and some songs play and you're, it's vain, there's nothing to it. Because the only time I hear from you is on Sunday morning. I don't have a relationship with you. That's what God is saying here. That's the application. That's the, the, the practicality for us. This guy says, I'm tired of you showing up to get me to bless something I'm not even a part of. Just, yeah. Couldn't do that thing anymore. God's saying, I'm tired of you asking me to be a part of things I'm not a part of. Trying to get you, yeah, God, bless, bless what I'm doing. Are you here? God's like, where have you been? Where have you been? Because if we come as a church Sunday morning and sit in these chairs, and that is the extent of our walk, what you have is a, a religious ritual. You don't have a relationship. You don't have a relationship. And that's what God wants. He wants a relationship with you. But we have to get out of this self-consumed place of where it's about me. What do you have for me? Because you're looking at, you look around. What, 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 are, what, what are people attracted to? They, they, they want experiences. We want experiences. We want to feel some type of way. We want something to make us feel good. It's all about us. And so we can't expect to live as it's all about me and then come on Sunday morning and pretend to have a relationship. God's like, I'm done with your vain offerings. They're a burden to me. You burden me with your hallow worship. That's what he's telling Israel. And then he says, this is what I want of you. Wash yourselves, verse 16. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. That is what God is saying. What, he's, what, what those things point out to is true worship is a life that is lived out. It's a faith that is lived out because how do you know it's a faith that's lived out and not just sitting in the seats? Well, it affects the community. 
Seek justice. Learn to do good. Correct oppression. Defend the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Show compassion on people. It's a faith lived out. That's what God is asking. Flip to Luke chapter 11. Because Jesus has an encounter with the Pharisees. There's something I want to point out to you. He has something to say about this as well. Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 37. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him, so he went in and reclined at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees, cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb, and neglect justice, and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Isn't that our culture? We love the best seat. We love, we try to keep this this image intact. We love the best seat, the best places in the marketplace. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. God is saying is that you are concerned about the wrong thing. God made, yes, both the outside and the inside. And Jesus is saying, I want you to be, I want you to, you know, be concerned about the inside condition. The inside condition. Because it's that inside condition that will move you to have compassion on, and mercy on people. And he says to those of you who are concerned about the outside appearance and the experience of things, you're like unmarked graves and people walk over you and you don't even know it. What God is saying is that you are dead. You're walking around with no life. You're an unmarked grave. You've left no legacy. You've left no impact on the community. Be concerned about the washing of the inside of you. And that starts, that starts with understanding God's mercy. Washing ourselves of religion is putting ourselves in the posture of recognizing we are totally dependent upon God's mercy. That's where we start with washing ourselves of religion. Because it's not about the exterior image of things. It's about the compassion and impact that we have on people. Because this isn't about religion. It's about relationship. You want to know where we're going? Where's Gateway going? We're going after people. That's where we're going. We're going after people. We're going to love each other, and we're going to love people well. That's what God asks us to be about, because it's about relationship. If something that Jamie 
where Leanne said this morning, struck a chord with you, I'm going to challenge you with this. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Because you've got to ask yourself, when's the last time I got uncomfortable? When's the last time I asked God? When's the last time I asked God? Will I ask him? If, if treasured ministry, adoption, and foster, that struck a chord with you, don't ignore it. Because it is uncomfortable. Relationship is uncomfortable. Religion is safe. Religion is safe. Relationships force us to get uncomfortable. But that's where we see God's glory at. That's where we see his renown at. Let's pray. God, your mercy... When we look at your mercy, it causes us, it causes us to respond. And what you ask of us, God, is to respond by loving people well, by showing compassion to people, by defending the fatherless, defending those who can't defend themselves. Because it's justice, your mercy, God makes us compassionate towards injustice. And so we stand for justice. We fight their cause. Because we understand your mercy, God. Help us to wash ourselves. Just like Isaiah says, just like Jesus says. We need to wash ourselves of all religion. we got to ask ourselves, God, what do you want me to do? So that we don't get caught in this cycle of going through the motion, this vain worship, this vain offering. God, we need to ask you, what do you want from me? What is justice going to look like in my life? What is mercy going to look like in my life? How am I supposed to live that out, God? Show that to us. Individually, corporately, God, show us how you're asking us to show mercy in our community. God, we thank you for showing mercy on us. And let our response be worthy of that. God, we thank you for who you are and what you've done. Amen.